Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. Coming up on this episode, it is a relegation special. I'm joined by colleagues who cover West Brom, Fulham and Brighton as we discuss the outcome to this 2020-21 season. Engage the confidence within the camps and which team the other sides are targeting and much, much more. So pop the kettle on, make yourself a brew, come and sit down. A warning to you, Cast United fans, though. The final outcome as predicted by these writers isn't what you want to hear. Hello, thanks for tuning in. Andrew Musgrove here. I hope you've got that brew ready and beside you with a couple of chocolate biscuits as well because it's a bit of a long discussion, but hopefully it's one that's going to be worthwhile. I'm joined by colleagues from the Reach PLC network from across the country, all the teams that are right in the middle of this relegation scrap. I'm going to let the lads introduce themselves first before we dive in to the ins and outs of this scrap for safety. Uh, so yeah, I'm Scott uh, from Football London, covering Fulham this season. Uh, my name's Rich Mills. I cover Brighton for Sussex Live. Uh, I'm Joe Chapman. I cover West Bromwich Albion for Birmingham Mail, Birmingham Live, and we are clinging on by our fingertips. Yes, you guys are, but Newcastle couldn't manage to beat you on Sunday. We'll get onto that in, in just a moment because I think what you witnessed on Sunday with Newcastle might give uh, Scott and Rich some hope that uh, their teams at least might survive, maybe at the expense of Newcastle. Um, We'll go around and we'll start with Scott first and we'll talk about whether you feel Fulham are favourites to go down and then we'll go on to Rich and then myself with the same question. But Scott, right now, looking at it, do you think Fulham are favourites to go down? So I think when you look at the table, obviously they're the team in us. They've played again more as well. So maybe from that perspective, you think so. But momentum is just going completely the opposite direction at the minute. Um, it's been such a long time where Fulham have played quite well. Now they're starting to pick up points as well as putting in those good performances. And I think there's probably just that hint from Fulham supporters and perhaps everybody else as well that they they might just do enough to stay up despite looking out of it maybe six games ago. What about you, Rich? How do you feel Brighton fans are looking at this uh, relegation battle? Uh, they are bricking it, and so am I. Um, it's uh, basically from a month or so ago when they beat Liverpool when it was, um, you know, still a cool new thing to do. Um, they uh, they were 10 points clear of the relegation zone. They'd, uh, they were on a six-match unbeaten winning streak after, uh, sorry, uh, unbeaten streak after following a, a point against Burnley. And since then, they've drawn two and they've lost three and they've lost uh, the very influential players of Solly March, the left wing back, and Adam Webster uh, in the space of a game or so. And their form has just taking a nose dive, and now they're you know uh, just it's squeaky bum time, and they're you know in the seventeenth, just a, uh, a head-on goal difference. So it's a very very nervy period, and um, yeah, it would be interesting to see if we could talk about this at maybe some point just about the kind of contrast in the fixtures coming up because that's obviously going to be key. But uh, I still think Brighton can turn it around, um, but yeah, it's. Um, it's anyone's guess at the moment. I personally I am just as worried as you guys because Newcastle can't find a win for love no money. They can't score goals. As Joe will uh, remember from a few days ago, it was a horrible game against West Brom. And yet West Brom, I think five more minutes, probably might have really tested Newcastle, you know, and maybe come away with all three points. I am... Worried. I know Newcastle United fans are worried. You look on social media, and it's 
you don't have to go very far to, to see that fear that it's history repeating itself, repeating itself with what with Steve McLaren all those years ago, and maybe the hierarchy haven't learned their lesson. Uh, Joe, I'm going to ask you a slightly different question given the predicament West Brom find themselves in. Do you believe West Brom can get themselves out of this scrap at the expense of, unfortunately, one of us three? Uh, my hopes are, are fading pretty quickly after the last couple of games because I think that, as Allardyce himself said, the Newcastle game was a must-win. So when you pencil in a certain game to be a must-win and you don't win that game and you've still got 10 games to go, where do you go from there? It's um, it's a it's a difficult one to overcome there, really, in terms of the mental, uh, the mental challenge, really, that you've not clawed back those extra points that you needed. You've got to bear in mind that not only have Albion got a big, big points gap between themselves and the um between themselves and Brighton and Newcastle, but also the goal difference is awful as well. So that will definitely count against them. Even if they were to get those those points back, they could still go down, you know, on goal difference. Uh, so they need that that basically an extra point. We're having a mini Brighton esque period ourselves in that we just can't score. Um we've Albion have really, really very quickly really in the last kind of four or five weeks of, of learning how to defend again having conceded goals for fun uh, for most part of the season, hence the awful goal difference. And uh, now that we're actually giving ourselves a, a platform on which to go and win games by keeping those clean sheets, uh, we just can't score. And that's been the real problem. And it cost them against Everton in the week when they were the better side. And I do think that despite Newcastle having a full week against uh, to prepare for the game at the Hawthorns, Albion was still the better side over 90 minutes, despite um, a pretty slow start. And, for whatever reason, they just can't seem to that 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 Midas touch in in the penalty area at the moment. It just won't go in, and um, draws just aren't, aren't aren't any good to them at all at the moment. It's interesting you mentioned the goal difference because if you look at Fulham, Brighton, and Newcastle, it's it's Newcastle that would worry, given that they're on minus seventeen, Brighton uh, minus eight, and Fulham minus eleven. That is, I think, one of the things that is worrying Newcastle United fans. With what you saw, Joe. On Sunday, Newcastle West Brom, do you think there's a cause for optimism uh, for the likes of you know for the for the Fulham fans and for the the Brighton fans? My question would be if Newcastle aren't going to kind of go at West Brom, at West if they're not going to like turn up at the Hawthorns with an intention to win, it didn't really strike me as an obvious intention to win. Uh, and Bruce kind of almost backed that up after the game by suggesting, well, you know, at least we haven't lost. That was kind of the the attitude. Um, where are they going to go and win games, really, between now and the end of the season? I know they've got to go to Burnley and they've got to go to Brighton, but surely you've got to approach, from a Newcastle perspective, surely you've got to approach a game to West Brom as as a game to just go and win. The, I know they haven't got the players in attack that they would otherwise have at this moment in time because of injuries, but Still, really, I mean, you can count on one hand the opportunities that Joe Linton or Chris Willock had in front of goal. Uh, and as I say, I think over the course of the piece, Albion, despite having played two days earlier, were with a better side and finished stronger. Um, so that would be my concern, really, is how in the meantime, and I know there's going to be a couple of weeks international break, etc. Where where do the goals come from with Newcastle? Rich, I just wonder, because Newcastle aren't playing well, they're not scoring goals. They don't, you know, they're not deserving to win games. Where 
is I think from the outside looking in, when I watch Brighton, for instance, just against Leicester the other day, they, they were good value. And, they, you know, yes, they lost the game, but really, again, you know, they had a, a good showing. And I, I look at it and I think, is that actually a bit harder to take when you're playing well, but you're not getting the results than it is when you're playing badly and not getting the results? I, yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, Graham Potter has always said, you know, he'd be more worried if they weren't creating those chances. Um, but it's just the problem is, is when you, it's time and time again, they've dominated teams, they've had more chances, way more possession. Obviously, that's not as important. But um, if it keeps happening, that it can't just be unlucky. Because, I mean, if you look at their, um, I don't say too much stalled by the kind of, expected points and stuff like that, but the expected points table, Brighton would be fifth on 45 points. And um, they're currently on 27. And they've scored 27 goals in 27 games and their XG for goals would be 41. So they're they're underperforming in you know in key key areas. But yeah, the fact that it just keeps on happening is worrying. Um, Jamie Carragher, I think a while ago, uh, talked about teams need to have a plan B and Everton showed that in, in their win against Liverpool when I think um, they put two strikers up top and um, they just changed the back three a bit more and and um, and they changed um, the role of, kind of, of Rodriguez a bit. So, But I just don't feel that um, Brighton have a plan B if um, if they can't break teams down who sit back and that's just that's the way that you can beat Brighton if you just you sit back, get men behind the ball and then hit them on the counter. Whereas Brighton if they are a bit more pragmatic, which is what they've done in their pretty much five of their their wins, the only game that they won this season when they had more possession was against Newcastle. Every other win, they've happily surrendered the ball and then just been more intelligent. But yeah, I just worry that there's there's no plan B. And I mean, what's the saying? Um, insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. But I haven't seen anything different. So I do... I do worry. You could apply that to Newcastle as well. I mean, Scott, it sounds strange that, you know, I'm saying here yeah, we're fearing, but when you look at the table, Newcastle are above Brighton. Which team do you think Scott Parker is, is targeting? Is there a team or is it all about what Fulham do and then we'll see what the final outcome is? Or has he got a team in, in, in his sights? I think with Scott Parker, he's all about Fulham. And that's been the situation all throughout the season. Um, really early on, probably in October, he talked about Fulham being comfortable with being in around that relegation zone. That's what was, the season was going to be. And I think that's a different point to perhaps Newcastle and Brighton, where maybe a lot of people do expect them to be in those positions, but there's not a reality of this is what's happening. Um, and everything has always been about Fulham. And he says at every single press conference about the team improving, putting the hard work on the training ground. And I think there's a really interesting kind of like dichotomy between Fulham and Newcastle where Steve Bruce will perhaps rather than pointing on what Newcastle are going to do, they'll say, you'll say there's six teams involved in the relegation battle and kind of pushes against that. And I think it's all kind of like about where the momentum's going and Fulham obviously kind of their defense is improving. They're still not scoring goals, which is an ideal of like everyone. And I think the moment Callum Wilson got injured for Newcastle, even taking out Almer and St. Maximum, it just changed the whole sort of narrative of the relegation battle because that's what Newcastle had over these other teams, even though Newcastle haven't scored as many goals. And um, it's going to make a big difference, I think. 100%. I mean, for you, you know, covering Fulham 
which team are you more worried about? Are you more worried about Newcastle suddenly finding a bit of form, or do you look at Brighton and think Brighton are the team that are probably going to pull away? I mean, which which side do you fear is going to is going to get out of this, and then it's going to be you know maybe a, a final day shootout down at Craven Cottage between Newcastle and Fulham, perhaps? Yeah, I, I think because of that final day. I think Brighton's always the worry of like making themselves safe because Fulham just need to stay close enough to Newcastle and they do have that chance to beat Newcastle on the final day. And I think out of the bottom end teams, Fulham have struggled against the likes of Burnley. Um, kind of both teams struggled a bit in the game against Brighton, but Newcastle feels like a game Fulham can win. And I think Fulham were a little bit unlucky with that um, penalty decision in December. Um, and I know they'll see that as points dropped. Um, so, yeah, I think, again, just because of everything coming out of Newcastle at the minute as well, um, Fulham seem quite united where it's a bit fractious. I'm not sure of the situation at Brighton or West Brom and how their dressing rooms are doing. But, yeah, it just feels a bit, lot more positivity from elsewhere. And I think Newcastle are that one that everybody's starting to worry about dropping, dropping down into the relegation zone. I mean, Fulham's run has been... Just absolutely brilliant. I mean, they've only won three games, I mean, in 15, but the nine draws has been really keen. They've not lost games um, or that many games, which has been important, I think, to build that little bit of momentum, small steps. Whereas you look at, you know, Brighton, you look at Newcastle and, and, and West Brom, you know, the, the contrast is, is stark. I mean, Newcastle, two wins and 16, four draws. Brighton have got seven draws and three wins. You know, Fulham deserve to be, you know, uh, just deserve to be where they are in terms of they've caught up and, you know, they fully deserve to be based on their form and improvement over the last couple of months. Yeah, it's it's been weird. Uh, obviously, they've been in the relegation zone for a long time, but it's hard to think of moments where they've had bad games. Um, I said that there has been a couple. I know they struggled against Burnley, um, but they have just this ability through the kind of sturdiness of the defence just to always be in a game. Um, there'll be frustrations where they haven't quite got a draw, haven't quite got a win, but they always keep themselves within touch and, touch and distance where a goal can give them that three points, like against Liverpool at the weekend. Um, and I think that win they got against Everton a few weeks ago came at a really key time because everybody was starting to, I think, worry a little bit there um, the, with the gap starting to open up. And that just kind of changed the tone as, oh, we can get three points um, Josh Madger obviously knew in, scored a couple of goals. Um, and like I say, it's just these moments where kind of hope was waning, but then all of a sudden it's right back in. And I think it's been really interesting just to think that, whether it be a month ago or so, it felt like the relegation uh, zone was was done. Um, I know talking to friends, it was just like, it would take something ridiculous now for anyone with the bottom three to stay up. And it's happened a lot quicker than anybody perhaps thought that it's all really compressed. Um, obviously, West Brom have a bit of a job to do, but having seen what happened from a 10-point gap not that long ago, you couldn't rule anything out, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, the gap is, what, it's eight, eight points there. Joe, how important is this weekend for West Brom if they lose? Is that game over, do you think? Well, I mean, it feels like every week's a must-win now, to be honest with you. They've, they've got to go to Crystal Palace, who are... Uh, very strange side, really. I've seen them a number of times this season where they've been well beaten. Burnley beat them out of sight, really. Uh, they've obviously got Wolfrey Zaha back, and that's a huge boost. I don't think there's a club in the Premier League who relies on a player more than Zaha when you look at his how they get on with him and 
compare that to how they get on without him. So they've got to go and win at Palace. Um, they're on 18 points. So, I mean, I think they probably need to double that tally to have any kind of chance, really. Uh, maybe even maybe even more than that. The one thing that strikes me just at the moment, we're talking about unity and, and Newcastle having a lack of it, is that Albion seems to have that at the moment. I think there's a, a case that before a ball was kicked, there was such little experience in this squad of having played in the Premier League before. I mean, you could count on one hand the amount of players that had played regularly in the Premier League, most of them with West Brom, the relegation season the last time. So they're a club that I don't think had a huge amount of expectation before a ball was kicked. I don't think the fan base did. So therefore, it's not that kind of huge, uh, disastrous kind of feeling towards, the, you know, they're hurtling towards... Um, relegation in the way that Newcastle or, or or even Brighton, who have had a good couple of years in the Premier League now, would maybe have that same feeling of. Um, so in that respect, there's a little bit of pressure off, really, now that they've they've come through the last few weeks. And again, I think even as recently as a month ago, it was a case of, well, that's it, we're done. Then they have that little period where they pick up five points in three games and think, oh, maybe we're just kind of just about staying in touch. The, the the failure to beat Newcastle was was really galling actually uh, because I know and there was a lot of players at the end of that game that you could see as they made their way off the pitch who knew exactly that that was a, an enormous opportunity missed um, perhaps one that they absolutely had to take beat Palace gone to twenty one points and they've got this very weird period where they they're not in the FA Cup and they've got an international break so they don't they don't play for three weeks you don't want to be sitting on a on a defeat. Um, going into that into that period without a game so beat Palace then I mean what do you do then you're kind of kicking your heels for a few weeks and then they have really got a, a pretty tough running on paper to be honest I mean they've got to go to Chelsea and they've got to play Leicester and Liverpool uh, Villa and Wolves as well who will probably be on the beach but ultimately aren't going to give them anything because they're local rivals and they've got to go to Welland Road on the last day and they're probably going to have about 10,000 fans in that hopefully so it's 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 a it's a big big um, ask I think at this moment in time. Newcastle play Villa on Friday. You know it's a it's a big game. It's I think Villa would be favourites going into that, but it's a winnable game if you look at it on paper, especially after what Fulham did to Liverpool over the weekend. Um, but Rich, I mean Brighton versus Southampton is it is a huge game for you guys. Um, you know if if they lose that, what's your feeling? Well, I think it's an intriguing prospect just because this is the these are the two um, chokers of the division. Um, I, I was surprised to see that um, Southampton have dropped 18 points from winning positions and Brighton are 17. So it's just like, no, you have it. No, you have it. So um, it'll be interesting to see uh, who... Um, Okay, yeah, who wins that one? I think Jermaine Gina said something about the way to beat Southampton is if you can match them for a certain amount of time, then you can maybe for like half an hour, then you're okay. So I think the first kind of half an hour or so or 45 minutes will be will be key. Both teams will probably come out all guns blazing. But then, yeah, we shall see. But um, yeah, Brighton have won uh, four of their five games on the road. So they're definitely a, a, a tough, a more tough uh, prospect. But um, yeah, I think... It'll be interesting. To, I still don't know if the, the teams are slightly above. So, what well, there's um, there's Burnley, there's Southampton, Crystal Palace. Um, I don't know if they're compl- 
I mean, a, a win or so, and they're maybe safe. But just if you, you know, bring maybe one of those guys back down, then they kind of, you know, who knows what will happen? It'll be a real, real pressure cooker. So, but yeah, I think if Brighton don't get anything from that, I still don't think it'll be that bad because, I mean, for example, Fulham obviously played Man City and there's still quite a gap, no offence, Joe, uh, to West Brom. So I think the real key um, is the next week, Brighton-Newcastle at the Amex. That is, just before the international break, that is a, a monster tie. So, and I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, um, Wilson's out for that game, maybe. Uh, and then St. Maximan and Almiron, and I think their records with them is you know significantly better. So, um, yeah, if if Brighton don't get anything from these next two games, I really, really am worried. But if they can get a couple of points, then I think it's okay. How do Brighton fans, uh, you know, go into games? Because at the moment, Newcastle fans they're not confident that they can beat. Even West Brom, no disrespect, Joe, and they'll not be confident of you know winning against against Villa um, or Brighton. I don't think so. How do how do Brighton fans approach games, and how do they feel about uh, you know Green Park? Is he under pressure? Is he or has he still got the, the backing of the fans, even though they are fighting for safety? So, to your first question, I think going into games, um, a lot of fans generally feel that the teams that they put out. Uh, on the whole, is, is some of the strongest that they've had during their time in the Premier League. Um, you know, there's people like Ben White who, like, has been linked with Chelsea and Spurs and Liverpool and whatnot. And then there's Yves Basuma, who's been linked with Arsenal and so on, with Tarrant Lamptey. Um, so they've got, you know, a lot of you know, exciting young players. Um, so the expectations, especially early on the season, were quite high. And then they were, they dropped with their kind of long run. I mean, they've only won once at the Amex this season. Um, that was the one that went over Spurs. Previously, they hadn't won in the Amex in the Premier League since June. So they really, you know, few and far between wins-wise. So it's been, yeah, up and down season in terms of expectations. Um, and then in terms of Graham Potter, there's an interesting, I think, schism in the fan base of fans loving the way that Brighton now play. I think during the end of the Chris Houston tenure, people thought they, it really wasn't pretty to watch. Um, and now that, you know, they were so happy with the way they play. But um, I think I saw a statistic that actually said Chris Houghton has a now has a better um, win percentage or other way around, sorry. Graham Potter has a worse win percentage than um, Chris Houghton did. So, yeah, I mean, are Brighton any better? I don't know. He got them to their highest ever points total last year with 41 points and 15th. But, I mean, if they get relegated and they play pretty football, you know, doesn't, doesn't, it's not great. So, yeah. That's the argument. I think it's sometimes thrown at Newcastle fans. You know, what, what, what do we want? What do we want? Do you want to play well and get beat and then get relegated? But like Bournemouth did, do you want to have this style and identity? But I do kind of look at Brighton. I do think it's, it's going to click eventually and, and, I think Newcastle fans look at Newcastle and they just can't see if they if they get a result, it's going to be a bit lucky. It's going to be against the runner player, perhaps. That at the moment is where the mood lies, and that is not good heading into you know this fight for survival. Whereas you look at Fulham, Scott, and 
you know, Scott Park has got the backing. The fans seem to like him. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're well in there. So, but from the outside looking in, he looks like he's got the support. Um, the players are full of confidence. The, the messages he's sending out in the press conference and what have you. Um, it, that's and you. I've seen Newcastle fans, you know, saying we, we'd love a bit of that. So, how important is that uh, element, you know, off the pitch? The support he's got going into this battle. Yeah, I think I think it's really big. Um, I think at times of the last two seasons, despite obviously Fulham getting promoted last year, there has been some frustration with Parker and the kind of quality of the player because there's been some nice football, but scoring goals has been an issue for a long time. And those kind of exchanges in the final areas have been something that people would point to have been a poor side of Parker's time there. But um, you listen to the players getting interviewed after the matches and they're talking about Parker's belief and that's all that's drummed into them all the time. And I just think slowly but surely Fulham are a, a team that's in Parker's mould. Um, kind of, they'll put the work in. They do have some quality as well. And like I said, they think they can take on anyone and perhaps they will lose some points at times because of that. But they're, they're never out of a game until the final whistle's uh, been blown. And like I said, they'll commit. And I think just having that attitude... Um, is going to make a big difference. I think Man City next is going to be really tough. That's one of the few times where they've kind of looked a bit um, outclassed, where Man City is just a bit too intelligent in their movement. But beyond that, it's, I think, yeah, despite having like six or seven loan players in and it being quite a new team, I think they've all bonded through the situation. And um, yeah, the, the, there's a lot of players playing in the Premier League for the first time. So, they haven't got experience of being relegated before, despite Fulham getting relegated not that long ago. Um, so there's not there's not too many demons, and they they, they fancy it. We've got Martin Smith here. He says it would be so Fulhamish if uh, Fulham beat Man City on Monday. Um, I suppose you know they'll go in that full of confidence. They beat Liverpool deservedly and should have beaten Spurs. So there's definitely that kind of wave of optimism around Craven Cottage. I do have this fear though of getting to the final day. And it's between Newcastle and Fulham and, and Mitrovic, who has not looked like the player he did at the start of the season, um, coming off the bench and grabbing the goal, which sends Newcastle down. Now, that is that that is a scenario that's playing round and round in my head. It's, um, yeah, but I really hope it doesn't go down to the final day because I, I wouldn't be back in Newcastle to uh, to win that. Um, I guess just want to ask you guys in terms of when you look at Newcastle. Um, and Rich, we'll go to you first. When you look at Newcastle and you see the pressure Steve Bruce is under, the off-field, off uh, what shall we describe it as, drama, chaos, do you look at that and think, you know, that's an added advantage to the likes of Brighton, to the likes of Fulham, and maybe even to the likes of West Brom? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think um, one thing that Graham Potter always, I think, um, emphasises that, you know, similar to what Scott said, you know, he's always trying to improve and, and work on the training ground, but it does seem like a happy camp. Um, and yeah, I, I think things off the field surely can't help. And when you've also got key players missing, um, that's just another big, big blow. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. The, the thing is, they were Brighton, so it's just so often you just like, they maybe take the lead and then you just think, can they hold on? But they, they could just never get that second goal. And that's where the worry always um, is. And then it's just, it's almost just like deja vu, like dominate games and then just get uh, punished. So 
I wouldn't even be surprised if Newcastle just came and nicked a goal. But um, yeah, I, I still I still think over the course of the next ten or so games, I think Brighton may just be okay. I'm just looking at Brighton's uh, running. So Manchester United, Everton, Chelsea. I mean, them three games are are tough one after the other, uh, and then you finish with. West Ham, Man City, Arsenal, the final three games. I mean, that that sounds to me like a tough one. I know you've got to play everyone. And, you know, I'm not really a fan of um, looking at the fixtures and using it as an excuse. But nevertheless, I mean, they are tough games to have, you know, one after the other. For sure. But, I mean, if I think the results in terms of the, the bottom half, like as I said I earlier, Brighton, I think, have only beaten Newcastle. They just don't beat teams around them. So, and they've beaten Aston Villa. Um, they've beaten um, Spurs, they've beaten Liverpool and they've beaten Leeds. And I think um, one thing I noticed from the Leeds game is that that kind of their, you know, full guns blazing approach did sort of suit Brighton. So if you, if you look at the kind of the, some of the games there, we've got Sheffield United away, Leeds at home, Wolves away, I think, and then obviously Newcastle and Southampton. So I still, I still think there's enough opportunities there to pick up points. But yeah, you really don't want to be, you know, chasing the guys maybe in the relegation zone having to go to, sorry, having to play West Ham, Man City and Arsenal. That's that's when panic stations were really hitting. For you guys, Joe, I mean, is it game by game it has to be looked at? Yeah, I think so. I think Palace is the, is the sole focus now. It's it's quite easy to, I think, compartmentalise that because you're going to have the, the international break and, and that, that FA Cup weekend as well. So, There'll be a lot of interested eyes from West Brom, at least um, watching that that game against that that game between Brighton and Newcastle. Just um, because that could still have a bearing, you know, you still are going to pay attention to what's going on around you. I know Allardyce is the kind of man who would discourage his players from paying attention to scores and, and league tables and just saying, "Well, it's not even going to matter if you do what you have to do." And uh, up until now, they, they've they've shown signs that they. They can compete at this level, I think. They've only won one away game this season. That was at Wolves and that was a pretty bizarre game. So they're going to have to go and produce something at Crystal Palace. We know all about Roy Hodgson as well down at Albion. So uh, I think they're safe as well, aren't they? They're, they're out of the question. They're out of the picture, definitely, without doubt, even though there's a few murmurings of discontent down there. So again, it's the kind of game that you think to yourself, Palace aren't going anywhere fast. They're not going down. They're not going to go any higher in the league table, I don't think so. Can you go and show that extra uh, desire that they're going to, that Palace may be lacking, possibly? If you can win that game, then it's Chelsea away after that. And, and so, as you know, um, and as, as speaking to guys at, at Everton and Palace as well, Allardyce does like to kind of target certain matches, more winnable games. Chelsea away probably won't tick that box, but after that, then you look at games against um, Leicester. I mean, you don't know where Leicester are going to be at that moment in the in the season and where they're going to be in their Champions League hunt. So, it's, you're right, it is. Coming back to your point, I think, game by game, go and beat Crystal Palace. And then that might just alert a few clubs above them thinking, well, actually, there is one of the two clubs that we deem to be dead below us are actually still, you know, relatively alive. Well, Scott, we mentioned there, obviously, Fulham play City um, over the weekend, but then, you know, Leeds, Villa, Wolves, Arsenal. But I read the games that uh, Fulham have got to come and 
I look at them and I think the way they're performing against the likes of Spurs and against the likes of Liverpool, you know, Scott Parker must be drilling his team to go and go into that game without any fear. Um, escapes my memory the midfielder's name who spoke after the game against Liverpool, Harris. Harrison uh, Reed. That's the one I need to know. And I was just blown away by his comments. You know, we go we go out to, to win, not to draw, not to get anything else to win. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm looking at them games, and I, I just assume that the mantra must be we, you know, we're Fulham and we're here to win this game. Yeah, yeah, I think that's just what it sounds like, and it, it's coming from a lot of players. Um, and I think what really kind of signalled that is that times Fulham have they changed to a back five in November, and that's when they beat Leicester. Um, then they kept that and then it got to the stage where Fulham, no doubt about it, needed to win games and then they went to the back four and put more players up the pitch and then they beat Everton. Um, I think all this, the wins are coming against like phenomenal teams. Um, so kind of taking advantage of moments where they play a team who's supposedly lesser or in and around it, that's going to be where it's really crucial. Um, but they have shown their ability to kind of adapt to the situation perhaps a little bit late sometimes um i know that's something you kind of feel strongly about with newcastle that perhaps they're not changing enough um and adapting to what has happened to them is i'd be really curious as i'm oh, his name's gone is it graham graham jones that's came in is yeah he, like, has he made any difference was there any point to that or well he, he came in and they performed really well against everton they deserved to win it's probably arguably the only game Maybe Southampton, you could argue that they've gone out and they've dominated and they deserve to win. But they haven't done that enough this season um, and they've not built on it. And, I mean, they've won two games. They won his first two games that he was kind of in for, um, but they haven't won since. They've kept the same formation. Um, it's not worked. It's not looked like working. And then when you lose Almiron, you lose St. Maximum, the system is built around those two players. It's built around Wilson as well, but you know, Wilson injured against Southampton and Steve Bruce is refusing at the moment to change it and he should have changed it against Chelsea um, he put Dwight Gale out on the wide which I know I know Joe knows a lot about about Dwight Gale and he's played there briefly in the championship for the baggies but he's a striker who deserves to be right in the centre um, the centre forward and he'll get you the goals if he gets the chance how is he going to get the chance if he's out on the wide and he was asked about this after the West Brom game, and he, he was, you know, he said, "Oh, we didn't want to play Andy Cowell or Dwight Gill because we'd have to change the system." And it's like, well, it's not worked, and it's built around three players who you don't have, and you've got to. I'm not a football manager, but you've got to adapt to the situation you find yourself in. And when you have a striker like Dwight Gill, who, okay, he's not the most prolific, but he is a Premier League striker, and he will get you a chance. He will get you a goal, I think, more than more than most. You've got to play him to the strengths and. Ironically, playing him to, in his best position will then maybe allow Shelby to show that kind of ability we all know he's got by pinging the balls to someone who can actually make the most of them. And it is a frustration. The Newcastle United fans are very frustrated. And it'll be interesting to see what happens against Villa because um, yeah, you can't play. I think you need to play a striker. You know, you, you're trying to replace a striker. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to replace him with an actual striker. And whether that be Andy Carroll or whether that be Dwight Gale, I'd like to see it being Dwight Gale, but I'm not holding my breath. Um, and I don't think the Cast United fans are either. But it's a huge game against against Villa because you don't want to lose that one and head down to the Amex 
in what really is a must-win game. I mean, I thought Sunday was a must-win game. Steve Bruce didn't. Um, but I thought it was. And they're the games you've got to target. And you definitely don't want to be losing against Villa and heading down at Brighton. Um, but, Scott, I mean, how important is it to build momentum-wise? I think this is something that maybe Brighton and Newcastle and West Brom have all lacked, is building on positive results. We haven't. Newcastle have had a couple of good performances you know, since the turn of the year, but they're not built on it. Brighton look like they're in the same boat, but Fulham have had this good run and they seem to keep on building. How important is that? Yeah, I think I think a lot of it comes from they get they're getting not always the result they necessarily want, but they're getting a good performance, they're picking up the odd point here and there, and that's growing into three points. But I think it's really mirrored with how the team is developing at the same time. Um so Fulham's had a good defense for quite a while now, but they kind of had that back five and that offered extra security, and then they moved to the back four, but they're still getting better and I think they're at a point now where the kind of expected goals, I know not everybody likes them, but they're starting a transition where their goals for expected is becoming above their goals against expected and I think Fulham scored 22 goals this season so that's a really big moment for them um, but it's, I think a lot of people also talk about how Fulham have like transformed from the start of the season I think out of the players who regularly start now, only Harrison Reed started the first game of the season uh, for Fulham um, but since October, they've had a group of players where none of them have really got injured. I think Tom Kearney and Terence Congolo have been out most of the season for Fulham, but they've had this group. Parker can rotate the fullbacks when he wants to. Uh, we've got rotation in the midfield where Harrison Reed's probably the main one, then Angisa and uh, Lamina are kind of swapping around. And they've got this system that they're clearly working on in training, and you know that's what's the work that's going in every every day. And because I think because they're picking up enough points where the kind of media environment around them and most of the fans, it's all really positive. You haven't really got to worry about anybody looking in at you. You can just get on with your job. And I think when you've got the likes of, sorry to go back to Newcastle again, but things happening like last week, that goes around supporters, but there'll be WhatsApp groups of players at different teams laughing about stuff like that. And I say things like that, seeing how things are falling apart, that's going to give the likes of Newcastle a boost. Thing. You talk about Mitrovic, I'm sure that he has a couple of people he knows at the club and he's probably feeling a lot better about being a Fulham right now, I imagine, even if things aren't quite working out. Uh, Rich, I mean, a bit like Scott Parker at Fulham, I guess, is that Greenport has this identity at Brighton, but is it coming to a stage where some fans are maybe thinking you've got to change just to, to get the results. It's nice to watch, um, you know, but the points aren't coming. So at some point, and obviously this will be based on the next couple of performances and results, does a change have to come in terms of style just to make sure, you know, that they get the points to survive? Well, yeah, it's, it's a good point because, um, so just, just to kind of bring up a, a certain player. So Neil Mope is the club's top scorer with seven goals. Um, He's, in terms of his expected goals, it's around 11 or 12. Um, but also just the kind of the backup options as well. Danny Welbeck, Aaron Conley, they've also, they're below the kind of their expected levels. So in terms of changing their style, I don't know if Potter will do it because he hasn't really changed it all season apart from teams who really kind of come at you and then leave the spaces which Brighton sometimes do well to exploit. But... In terms of actually changing the style of play, I can't see it. He might change the personnel, um, 
And so I just wrote an article today about a, a, a guy called Florin Andoni, um, who was a bit of an outcast, but now he's coming back. And the reaction from fans is just like, get him in, get him in. But I think it's more just they're just craving something different from what is currently happening. I don't, I don't actually know if he'll be the answer to their problems because there's also Percy Tao and, and Andy Zakiria, the strikers. But yeah, it's um, I, I can't see them him changing his, his style uh, for the time being. But I do think they need to be a bit more pragmatic. Um, but uh, yeah, potable, I think that's, that's the philosophy that he's sticking with and that's not changing anytime soon. Horrible. I like the sound of that. Just before I get you guys to give me your final predictions, and I'm going to pop a leak table up on the screen, and this is how I see it going. These predictors, oh. you change your results, don't you, every single time? Sorry, Joe. <laughs> West Brom there. For those listening later on the podcast, it goes Northampton in 13th, Brighton 14th, Palace 15th, 16th is Burnley, 17th Fulham, 32 points, 18th Newcastle, 31, then Sheffield United, on 18 and 20th lie West Brom. Um, I must have to correct you very quickly, Andrew, in that we actually already have 18 points. Yeah, so we're we're gonna, do you know we what? might finish joint bottom. <laughs> they lose <laughs> a point. Right, hasn't it? Sorry, yes, yeah. Do you know what it is? I did this predictor before that game against Newcastle. I think that's what it is. But I still believe West Brom are going to finish bottom. Thanks very much. Our goal, <laughs> difference, would ha- our goal difference would have us anchored down there anyway. So in, in such a scenario... Do you know, I was too busy checking that uh, that uh, the points were, were right for Fulham in terms of what they've got on the board at the moment. So um, I do apologise. That is the beauty of live broadcast. Um, Joe, how do you see the season panning out then? Which three teams are going down? Um, Sheffield United, of course. I had Albert to finish 17th before the season started, really through hope more than anything else. I do think that there's a long way back from here. Regrettably, I'm going to have to say that they will slip back into the championship. Um, I really hate to say it because I, I'm very fond of the club as a neutral, but I really, really struggling to see Newcastle stay up because I, I, I do think that if it does come down to that last game, I just, I really fancy Fulham. I think Fulham have, have, have put a run together in the last couple of months that. I can see, especially with Parker at the helm Mike, and, and the players they've got, I can just see them continuing that for the rest of the season. Um, I, I think Newcastle could be in a little little bit of trouble. Scott? Yeah, I think um, when I did the same predictor, my league table didn't look too dissimilar. Um, it had it coming down to that Newcastle-Fulham game on the last day. Um, I think what will be really interesting for that last day is the fact the fans are back. Um, kind of Obviously, it's, that's going to be great, and there's going to be a huge bonus for Fulham there. I have a support, but I just think in those in those nervy moments in games uh, where fans haven't been there recently, and you just get that kind of air of tension. I just wonder how that will impact the game. And obviously, with there being Fulham fans there, that'll probably impact Fulham more, whether it be one way or the other. Um, but I, I think they're good. The minute says Fulham to stay up, and Newcastle to go down with West Brom and Sheffield United. And Rich. Um. I am, well, yeah, Sheffield United, bottom. Um, I think, sorry, Joe, West Brom. And then, yeah, I just think they're kind of the those injuries for Newcastle, those that trio of Wilson, um, Almiron and St. Maximan, I think that's just a huge, huge blow. And I, I don't know, I just feel they, 
because Wilson may not come back straight away firing. So that's that's always a worry when you've got an injury. So I think, yeah, I think he'll be Sheffield United 20th, uh, West Brom 19th, and then Newcastle 18th. But I think it will be very close. I like how Joe got an apology there, but I did. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, it's because you've got to travel all that way. That's what it is. You don't want to be travelling all the way at the north. <laughs> then we're weird days. Um, yeah, Sorry like I think, all. God, that's a journey and a half, isn't it? In a couple of weeks. Hey, but it's a beautiful <laughs> part of the world. Well, sorry, it was vice versa. Down to Brighton, I've never been, but I'm sure it is. Um, there'll be Lee Ryder heading down there. I think just Newcastle fans are just lacking confidence. But the point is, is that they are, they are above Brighton. They do have a, a point more than Fulham. So it, it just takes one result to, to hopefully galvanise. But like you guys have mentioned, there's so many elements at the moment playing against Newcastle. You know, Fulham's momentum... Uh, you know, I think Brighton play really good football and they dominate sometimes and it's just not come off. And I was watching that game against Leicester I was just thinking, goodness me, if they play this way against Newcastle, in the muddle that Newcastle are in at the moment, I can see it being a, a, I can see it being a similar score to how it was earlier in the season. I, you know, from Newcastle point of view, I hope I'm, I'm, hope I'm wrong. And I hope I'm proved wrong with my league table, um, even with the, the, the dodgy uh, points tally I had for West Brom there. Um, but guys, thank you for joining. It's been a, it's been a pleasure to chat to you guys, and I hope you guys watching and listening later have enjoyed the discussion. And uh, unfortunately, two of us are going to be in the relegation zone come the end, end of the season. Um, and we'd love to hear what you guys think, you guys watching and listening. So please do get in touch via whoever writes for your team, and we'll, we'll be happy to kind of respond and share um, our thoughts as well. So once again, thank you for tuning in.